0: Welcome to Funeral Gurus Radio. I am your host, Robin Heppel from FuneralFutures.com. We're continuing our series of pre-conference interviews for the ICCFA annual convention that is going to be held in Las Vegas, Nevada for March 29th, from March 19th to the 22nd. Today's guest is Chris Farmer from Sheehy Ware and Pabas in Houston, Texas. Chris, welcome to Funeral Gurus.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
0: Now, it, did, I get the, did I get the company right there?
1: You did. She he wearing papas. That's right.
0: Okay, perfect. Chris, uh, maybe could you just give a little bit of background about uh, yourself and your company and your involvement in uh, in the funeral profession?
1: Sure, I've been uh, I've been handling um Industry cases, uh, funeral cemetery crematory cases for about the last 10 years. Uh, I worked in-house with uh, one of the largest consolidators uh, handling all their litigation internationally, and I have handled at that point in time I handled about you know anywhere from two to 300 cases of all different kinds at a time. Everything from uh, employment cases to you know the, what we are most afraid of in our industry is the the professional liability cases, and uh, doing that for in-house and then now. Back outside for the last three years, um, I've I've really seen I think uh, you know just such a breadth of cases all across the country represented uh, all manner of, of industry locations and in just about everything you can imagine and it's uh, it's I love working with the people in the in- industry it's it's such a it's such a fun thing it's such a good thing and so much of what I do is educational to to make sure that. The people aren't taking advantage of an in the industry, you know, so you don't have some predatory plaintiff's attorney coming in and uh, and trying to take advantage of you and so that you can protect yourself and your business, and uh, that's what I do.
0: Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's great, and, uh, yeah, everyone's kind of got to be aware, and, and uh, I think this is um, – well, it's always timely. Um, now, your presentation is titled uh, "When the Regulators Come Knocking." So, uh, I'm taking that it's not just uh, you know how to keep your documents in order and stuff like that. Um, what uh, you know, what's the kind of the overview of of the presentation for ICCFA?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, one of the things that I've always presented on is kind of my litigation avoidance stuff. And it's very valuable information, and it helps people because they understand the dangers that that we have with professional liability lawsuits and and what we do. But but the one thing that I've realized over the past, um, especially the last three or four years, is that... There, we, we there's much at risk with regulatory investigations and citations from our state boards as there is with civil lawsuits. And a, a lot of the times what happens in the regulatory investigation sets the table for the civil lawsuit. Uh, you'll find plaintiff's attorneys that will encourage their clients to file a complaint, and then he'll just sit back and see what happens. He'll let the state uh, do it the investigation for them, he'll let the state come out with the finding, and then all he's got to do is swoop in and say, well, see, we've already, the state's already found you violated the law, therefore give us a bunch of money. And and while my presentation deals with more than just state regulatory, it deals with the state and federal EEOC investigations, uh, wage and hour investigations, OSHA investigations, because I've I've handled all those. Uh, it, It really focuses on an area that we see Quite often, which is the the state regulatory investigations, and it it, it tells everyone you know gives some tips and ideas on on how to handle it because most people just think I just walk in there I I tell them I didn't do anything wrong I show them the paperwork and I'll be fine and unfortunately you know the state board is is there to to cite you and it's a political entity and it's got to keep the it's uh, the consumers happy as well and it's not always that simple and too many times I've sat outside the room where we're waiting for our informal conference and there's some people in front of us and they'll go in and meet with the board. And when they come out, you know, they go in thinking, ah, I'm fine, I didn't do anything wrong. And they come out and then they say, give me your card. Gosh, I got screwed, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'm trying to get people prepared so that when they do get that first call, they'll know how to handle it from the beginning. So they're prepared and they can put the best defense forward. And they don't, you know, they don't get taken advantage of by uh, – plaintiff's attorneys and by state boards that are looking out there to justify their own existence. Not all of them are, but some some do.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it actually sounds like a pretty good strategy for those other, uh, you know, for the plaintiff's attorneys just to, to to use the process to their advantage. So I had never thought of that. Um, and now, Chris, maybe, you know, so just as some examples, what would, um, so they get served with a citation or a notice um, and And now, what would they do first? Do they immediately phone the lawyer, or or what should they do?
1: Well, I would encourage them to get in touch with their counsel, and specifically someone who knows the industry well, whether it's me or someone else, someone that knows these cases, someone that knows these laws, because it is a very specific area of the law and the laws are very specific, and the case law is very specific on it. But I, w- I would encourage someone to get involved early, because one of the first steps of the process that you're going to have is to provide a written response to a, to an accusation. And while most people feel, you know, there's successful business owners, successful managers, they know what they're doing, but a lot of times their responses are purely factual. And the problem with that is that you need to provide a legal response as well at that point in time. Uh, a lot of state boards have very vague and ambiguous uh, statutory language that they rely on, especially, especially some of these that just consider uh, unethical practices, which doesn't really have any subjective uh, analysis or uh, any objective analysis. It's all subjective. And so you need to be able to attack the statutes and say, well, here's why we didn't break the statute, you know, why we didn't violate the statute, because whatever the case may be. But I would encourage them to contact their counsel sooner in the equation rather than later, because, you know, we've been through it, we know how to handle it, and especially someone who knows the industry can help you provide those uh, essential legal responses uh, in addition to the factual responses that are required to respond to citations.
0: Okay. Well, now maybe, um, maybe could you just walk walk me and walk the listeners through the process of of kind of how it all goes. So they get the um, they get the citation or the notice. Um, you reply back in writing. Then what are the next couple steps right till the you know right, right to the
1: end? One of the. I mean, it varies a little bit from state to state, and it varies a little bit from uh, regulatory agency to regulatory agency. But typically what will happen is you'll be notified of, of a citation. You'll have an opportunity to provide a written response, and oftentimes they'll ask for uh, documentation. And and really that's, that's one of the most important points, you know, to make sure that you're prepared on is because that is your First and best chance to put your case forward. Then you'll have an opportunity to speak uh, with the with the board and do a couple other things. But that is really your that is your case that you need to put forward. And it's very early in the process. Uh, and then you'll have an opportunity to to do some different things, whether it's negotiate. Um, sometimes they have what's called an informal conference where you'll sit down and and have an opportunity to to talk about, put forth your case, and discuss what you know any citation. And then usually, and again, this is generally, I go, I'm go. i going to go much more into the process in my uh, presentation, but um, at that point in time, you'll get a citation, uh, and you can either pay it, or sometimes you'll have an opportunity to negotiate at that point, and then if you decide to fight it, um, which most people don't realize is that you do have an opportunity to appeal it to what's called an administrative law judge, which is... It's a it, it it's a legal judge, but it's within administrative context, and so you'll be able to fight it at that point in time. And they'll have, you know, the the regulatory agency will have counsel, whether it's a U.S. attorney or whether it's a uh, attorney general from the state, and you'll you'll be have an opportunity to essentially have a mini trial to find out whether or not you violated the statute, and you even have the opportunity to appeal that up to a judicial court. Uh, going on and on, but you know, it's one of those things where you take it step by step, you make a determination on each step, uh, what you need to do and how you need to proceed. And um, it's a a lot more complicated process, I think, than most people realize.
0: Okay. Well, then, um, what would be, you know, could you maybe share an example of, um, you know, how you kind of outline that in the the beginning, but where, um, what type of issue could there be where, uh, you know the plaintiff's attorney put you know puts in the puts in the complaint with the regulator um, and and then it turns into you know then the, you're found um, in noncompliance or whatever the legal terminology is and then right. it goes into civil litigation so any any examples or anything that um, a lot of people might be exposed to that they they're just not
1: aware. Well, I think just an example uh, of is one that I'm actually headed to. Um, I'm headed to Austin in a couple weeks to uh, to to fight on um, to take a, a appeal the actual finding, and and that's a situation where this we had a situation where we were contacted. The client was contacted by the uh, the wife of the deceased uh she was the person who had the right to control disposition of remains and she just really didn't have the desire to didn't have the funds to had a whole bunch of issues where she just said you know what i don't care i'm going to go ahead and give the right i'm going to assign the right to control disposition of the remains to the deceased's mother and sister so she handed it over and she knew and she knew what was going on and she was in part of the part of the equation and, uh, and the, the mother and the sister made the arrangements. And then afterwards, the wife of the deceased came to us and said, well, I want one of, those, um, one of those things that were handed out at the funeral. I want some of those, and I want a death certificate, and I want some of these things. And we said, well, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, those are items that were purchased. And, you know, unless you want to, to pay for them, you know, it's just, we just, you know, we don't have them for you. And she got upset and filed a complaint with the state. Now, she never said that she didn't give authority to the mother and the sister. She didn't say that there was anything other than she didn't get a copy of the death certificate, which she could have done at any point in time and she wanted to pay for it. So she made the complaint, and the state told us, well, we don't think you guys acted properly. Now, the state law here in Texas does not require you to have a written uh a uh, transfer of the authorization of tr- the rights control disposition. Is it a good idea? Yeah, it's a really good idea to do it. But that wasn't even the issue. She never disputed that. But the state just didn't like the way we did it, and they think that we broke the law. So, we got cited, and now we're going to have to go appeal it. And, in that situation, that's a perfect example of, I'm happy to go appeal it, because when you go before a judge, the judge is going to say, well, the statute doesn't require you to have it writing. The wife never contested that, we didn't, that she didn't give us the authority, so therefore we didn't break the law. Now, here's what happens if we had been cited and we went ahead and just said, all right, let's just go ahead and pay the fine. Then when you go, if, the, if for some reason the wife decided to sue us, the state asks the question, did you violate the statute? The jury doesn't ha- that's not the question that they're asked. A civil jury is asked the question, did the funeral home act, as the same as a reasonably prudent funeral home would act under the same or similar circumstances, okay? Mm -hmm. And so one of the factors is, did they break the law? But that's not the only question. But when you have a citation on the books, and a lot of times people say, I don't want to mess with it, I don't want to pay for an attorney, I just want to go ahead and pay the fine and get it over with. But then if they get sued, there's a pretty good piece of evidence out there. The state has already found that you've broken the law, and it's very easy for a jury to find that you did not act as a reasonably prudent funeral home would act under the same or similar circumstances. And so that's an example of a situation where the client didn't do, did not break the law, and the client acted properly, and someone came back after the fact, and the state went above and beyond what was required by the law and, and, and held us to a higher standard than the law requires, which is not their job. And now we've got to fight it in order to prevent uh, you know, possible civil liability
0: okay interesting and a little complicating but uh, but still i think it's i think it's great for people to not uh, like so that they can it's almost like a chess match they can maybe they just see this one little thing they don't know the three or four moves that could be coming ahead of them
1: exactly gotcha. And because you know you know i like i said i've seen this so many times I know what's coming down the road, and I know why you know you need to fight it, and I know what you need to do, and that's why it's good to have whether it's me or someone else who's got the experience in handling these to say, "Look, I'm telling you the best way to cut your risk, and and to cut your risk is to to fight." And while you may you it may be more hassle than you, than you really want in the short term, it's gonna it's gonna save you a lot in the long term. Gotcha.
0: Well, now, Chris, is there um what other like, is there other examples that you're going to, um, you know, for the folks that are attending your presentation in in Vegas? There, uh, any other case studies or things like that, or scenarios, or or what else will oh, they course. take away from uh, anything that you can just kind of hint, uh, you know, tease them with a bit?
1: Sure, I think what the you know what what I'm going to provide the people that, that attend there and the, my clients and it's, it's what I those people and everyone what I what I'll provide them is. I'm going to provide them the foundation of knowledge that they need to understand the process so that when they have it happen to them, they'll be able to make the analysis of what do I need to do next? Do I need to call my attorney? Do I need to do this myself? I will give them the, the base, the foundation to know what's happening next so that they can make informed decisions on the process. And I mean, I can't tell you what to do every single time because every single situation is a little different. Sometimes I advise my client just pay the fine. Sometimes I advise them you know take it up to the u.s supreme court and fight you know tooth and nail Uh, but you know those cases just are depending on you know case by case basis but what i'm going to teach people and what they're going to walk away from is they're going to walk away from there with a much better understanding of the process and they're going to have the foundation and the base of knowledge that they can make the decisions on what they need to do to best protect their company and their interests
0: well, that's awesome hey one thing that kind of popped into my head Chris before I let you go do you see um has there been a change or an increase you know with the economic instability or things like that are um are, are is the general public becoming more litigious because maybe they don't have as much, as much money and they see that this is an opportunity or have you know over the last you know five to ten years has it pretty well been the same amount the same level of um,
1: activity I guess Well, what I would say over the last ten years is there is a marked increase in um, you know like professional liability lawsuits against our industry I think what happened is when the when there was so much of the medical malpractice lawsuit reform I think what happened at that point in time is I think a lot of these plaintiffs attorneys just kind of looked a little farther down the line and looked for other places that they could, uh, you know, set their sights. And there was an industry that was highly regulated and, and unprotected by port reform lawsuits, and that's that's our industry. And, you know, what I see is... When I, look at, when I look at our industry and I see these plaintiff's attorneys, they see what I what I frankly just like to call sexy facts. They think, these are sexy facts that I would love to put in front of a jury. We're talking dead bodies, grieving widows, and they just think, wow, I'm just going to fire up this jury and I'm just going to ring the bell and I'm going to take home, I'm going to retire on this case. That's what they see. They don't understand, just like the rest of the public, they don't understand what we do. They don't understand the processes and they don't understand that it's as much a part of life as anything else is. And so part of the same challenge that that everyone in the industry has is the same challenge that I have, is we have to educate and we have to get rid of the fear. Um, people don't want to think about what we do, don't want to talk about what we do, and we've got to educate them and teach them that this is part of life and that once we get to the point where they see that it's a part of life, then they realize, okay, well, you know, whatever happened is is not that big of a deal because it's just part of it. So part of that is, is the process getting back to your, I, I digress, getting back to your original point over the past 10 years, lawsuits are up. Um, over the past three, they've, they've stayed pretty steady. They haven't really gone up. Usually you see, uh, sharp increase in these kind of lawsuits when the economy's down, but it's been pretty steady. But what I have seen is definitely an increase in regulatory complaints. I think as state budgets and, and provincial budgets shrink, uh, I think they, they increase their citation rates in order to you know, self-fund and justify their own existences, because I've seen a lot of states where they're trying to consolidate regulatory agencies, and, and these groups, these funeral and uh, cemetery boards don't want to get contracted. And so they need to justify their own existence by increasing their citation rates.
0: Gotcha. Well, hey Chris, this is uh, this has been awesome and uh, great. You know, just great to chat with you and get you to uh, share some of those scenarios. Uh, Before I let you go, uh, any any final thoughts?
1: Uh, I just look forward to seeing everybody, and um, hopefully, I can provide everyone with uh, some some knowledge and some information and some some tools to help them. take care of their business they work so hard to uh, build
0: well awesome well i'd like to thank christopher farmer from Sheehy Ware and pappas in houston texas who is going to be presenting when the regulators come knocking at the iccfa annual convention that is going to be held in las vegas nevada from march 19th to the 22nd for more information and registration details visit www.iccfa.com check back soon for another iccfa pre-conference interview On behalf of FuneralGurus.com, this is Robin Heppel.